2: Welcome football fans to this NBC Sports Radio and NBCSN remote broadcast event. We are on the road at the NFL scouting combine live from Indianapolis. It's pro football talk live. Let's do this Florio
3: for pro football talk live. Chris Sims, Mike Florio. The podiums are set up. Tight ends are going to be trickling in for their press conference. And you can see in. them heading in. There's tight Cole, ends that's now. That's
4: my man right and there. And it What's will up, be Cole? an
3: hour from now. Yeah, see in an hour from now, it'll be uh, quarterbacks over there, including Joe Burrow. It's too. a first-round we'll tight Lowe. end right there. First-round tight end. Big guy, too. Oh,
4: he Big tight end. Yep, played pitcher. Yep. Uh, he's awesome. You know, of course, in NBC on Notre Dame, I got to be around him a lot. And he's he one of those. He a pitcher, too. He's a, a pitcher. pitcher. He, can you imagine standing in the batting box with that guy? I know. I ain't stealing his signs. that was. Was what was i think kind of like he was a banging chirp. on any trash cans when he's around <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> he will mess you up for sure but i'm glad to see him make the jump to the pros he was one of those guys on the field mike every week i just went wow guy special had the look could play you knew he was going to be uh, very relevant as far as an nfl career goes you got some good tight ends that have come out we do. notre dame over the years yeah as well definitely uh kyle rudolph kyle like rudolph i mean come
3: on game winning yeah. touchdown in yeah. The, uh, after the little push off, the push off, they give, they give, they get the Notre Dame benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Luck of the a good Irish. Catholic
4: boy won't push off like uh-huh. that. Won't Tyler keep. Eifert? I mean, we're missing a lot. There's Mark Bavaro back in my dad's day. I mean, there's a ton. We've got, and you know who else? Uh, we uh,
3: said I Eifert. Researched. There's a uh, lot of them. Uh, well, I, yeah, they, but back in the '70s, even
4: there's a kid from Arizona who got drafted in the first round. We're missing him. Uh, gosh, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm blanking. I'm choking. We'll to do death some here. Research. But either we'll way, do some there's plenty
3: coming up. We'll have the full list of all tight ends taken from notre dame in the first round of the draft uh quarterbacks like i said coming up in an hour and quarterbacks will be the dominant theme for free agency which begins on march 18 our list was published yesterday of the top 100 free agents now yeah. i can take no credit or blame for it Well, very well, well played serene williams puts it together if it's great she gets the credit if it's bad I got nothing to do with it. It's great. And and I I trust her. She does it for us every year. It is not easy to do because you're taking all of the different shapes and sizes and positions and cramming them into one bucket. But quarterback continues to be the dominant position for the National Football League. And look at the quarterbacks on this list. One, two, three, six, seven, and eight in the top ten. Half of the top ten are all quarterbacks. And number one, Dak Prescott. And, you know, we've talked about this earlier what would Dak Prescott be worth if he was on the market, unfettered, like number two, Drew Brees, like number three, Tom Brady? Would he get $40 million a year if he was free and clear for
4: any team to pursue? I don't think he would get that. I think he'd get close to it. I do think he'd become the highest paid player in the history of the sport. I, you know, And again, you know, usually the quarterback who's a franchise guy and up next is the guy that becomes that. And yeah, I think he would be in that conversation. I think he'd probably pass up Russell Wilson and uh, you know, somewhere between 36, 36 Seven million dollars a year, something like that, with a huge guaranteed salary. But he certainly deserves to be the number one player on your list here. I, that, that I do agree with. So you agree with that? I do agree beyond with that. that.
3: Beyond that, how do you feel? I, I have a feeling you're going to disagree with number two and number three. Well,
4: I mean, I, I, I'm not putting Drew Brees or Tom Brady over Ryan Tannehill at this part of their career. No, I'm not. You know, first off, I have an issue with Drew Brees being two and Teddy Bridgewater being twenty. You know, I'm one that will sit here and I don't. I know this is going to sound like I'm a hater. I think the Saints would have gone 13 and 3 with Teddy Bridgewater too. I mean they went 5 and 0. I know. They went 5 and 0 with him. You know, they went 8-3 and three with Drew Brees. So, I, you know, again, I know Drew Brees is awesome, but, yeah, I think that's a little aggressive for Brady and Brees at how, this point. How
3: much – you know, we hear all the time that right. when a new quarterback plays, it takes four to six weeks to figure out exactly what he's doing. How much did Bridgewater benefit from only playing five games? Like, if he had played five more, would defenses have begun to figure him out?
4: Yeah, no, I think so, maybe to a degree. But I think this, again, this is why I probably don't give Saints quarterbacks enough credit in general to begin with because of the guy – being the play caller, you know, Hey, we know Drew Brees is going to throw the ball short and over the middle, but yet it works every freaking week the whole season. It's because Sean Payton. So that's where he's special to get. He's saying he's a system quarterback. Well, no, but I'm just yes, saying he, he has a quarter. He has a, a play caller who's special at not uh, giving tells on some of his go-to plays or formations or being creative to get the same thing but in a different way. And that's where he's special. Now, a lot of great quarterbacks have had great systems around them.
3: My concern about Tannehill continues to be. The reality that yes. he had injuries in the past. Yeah. And I feel like last year may have had a certain element of lightning in a bottle where yeah. the planets lined up just right. Sure. He threw caution to the wind. He had stared the end of his career right in the face. So, you know, we saw how many how many times did he dive into the end zone right. for a touchdown? Right. Not not the Chris Sims don't hurt me dive that you did, you know, your little pivot to the outside. Just diving right into the linebacker. How dare you. I know, I yeah. do. I dare. <laughs> but but I mean he was. Fearless. Yeah. Because what the hell? He's got nothing to lose. Right. And now he gets paid. All of a sudden, he's got something to lose. Yeah. Now he's the number one guy. He's the face of a franchise. Now he's got something to lose. Now the pressure's higher. And, you know, the things that happen in Miami, do they start happening again? That's my concern, especially from an injury standpoint. Can you trust him to stay healthy once you pay him $30 million a year or something close to it? That would be my trepidation.
4: Yeah, no, yeah, I, I hear you. And, you know, I don't know if he'll be able to command a $30 million a year price tag. I would think it would probably be a little less than that. But I, that is the number one concern. I understand that. You know, my big thing is this. Yeah, he got hurt in Miami. Okay, I get it. And sometimes injuries happen. You know, But you get hurt when you play on crappy teams. And, man, he was on a lot of teams that had crappy offensive lines. I mean, crappy. That's all we talked about when he was there in Miami was how crappy their offensive line was. I mean, so that is going to lead to injuries when you play against that, especially if you're then athletic and talented and you try to make plays happen that way. And it doesn't always mean just because you got injured early in your career. Hey, look at Drew Brees. He got hurt, never got hurt again. We were all going, man, I don't know. He might be injury prone. Is this guy ever going to be the same? So, you know, I, I understand the questions there. I get it. But I think the way Tannehill played throughout his career when he was healthy in Miami, as we've talked about a lot, it's a little better than it gets credit for. And then what we saw last year was not just good. It was really good. I mean, it was a special year. It was a special year for him. And that's where I just go, I can't put Drew Brees and Tom Brady over Ryan Tannehill at this point of their career because the things I saw the last seven or eight weeks of the season, Tannehill outplayed them. There's, it's not even a discussion. It's, it's, he made a lot of big plays. We saw some moments late
3: in the year. Year where it was almost like the Jimmy Garoppolo approach with Ryan Tannehill where they they weren't using him much. Now you don't need to when yeah, you got to right. this Jim Brown right. at running back, but I look,
4: I Well there was use like he didn't throw the ball a lot in the Ravens game, but they were useful throws. He threw the ball early and very on. very efficient. Right, efficient. They threw. They were aggressive. He threw a deep post for a touchdown. He threw a fade to the left back corner, right? But then they got a lead, and they just said, screw it. Let's just keep running this big horse, Derrick Henry, and that took away from it. So it wasn't like they tried to hide him. He kind of struck early, and then they just said, well, we're going to play the formula we think that best gives us a chance to win the game. To me, that's different than the Jimmy Garoppolo way.
3: We're going to talk to Mike Vrabel, the Titans coach, later in the day, but we can pose the question to him directly. Why is there this trepidation? Why is this hesitation why is this guy not signed like right. get him signed like what right. well, well, because there and we can't talk to him directly about Tom Brady but there is this sense out there that the Titans may be thinking about making a run at Tom Brady and you seem to be a firm believer they're far better off sticking with Tannehill than they would be doing a short-term thing with Tom Brady well
4: i do i mean i think you two things one yes i think Tannehill's better than Brady at this point two I think you danger yourself a little bit, to If Tom Brady decides he just wants to play one, more, one year, all of a sudden you're back in like, damn, we let Ryan Tannehill go, and now we don't have crap at quarterback. Marcus Mariota's not here. Isn't we had- that part of the courtship, though? Don't you say sure. to him at some point, look, if we're going to come after you, if
3: we're going to sign you, we need to know you're going to be here for two years. Can okay. you make a commitment to us, man-to-man, face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, that you're going to be here at least.
4: Two yeah, years. well, I think that has to has to happen. Now, the other part of that is, hey, you're 43, and then okay, you said two years, but what happens if you're 43 and you tear an ACL at the end of the year because you're getting old and all things or, like that? Or Father you know, Time wins. Father that's Tom's what I mean. Gonna win at well, it's point. winning right now. We saw it. I know Tom Brady's the goat. He's the man. What I'm did just... you
3: see that made you think Father Time is winning? Well,
4: now? you you know what I saw. I well, saw. Well, you tell ans- me what you saw. in the pocket. You know, unwilling to stand in there and take a shot to maybe get the aggressive completion. Being careful with jump balls down the sideline and throwing them five yards out of bounds. You know, why? I don't know. Whether he's protecting his quarterback numbers there or doesn't, I don't know what it is. But the play was good, but not special. I didn't sit there for the first time ever. This is the first time ever, all right? We went through a whole season. I can't look at one game and say the Patriots won that game because of Tom Brady. Not one. There's not one game I go, ooh, they won it because of Tom Brady. They won every game because of their defense, and they just played kind of efficient offense where they didn't screw it up. And I think that tells you a lot, too. And I don't mean to say that. I, I hate talking well, doesn't
3: Doesn't that tell you that they're – I mean, because the big question is what are the Patriots going to do? Yeah. Are they going to keep Tom Brady? And I, I can tell you that within the organization – Yeah. There is a very real belief that he may leave. Yeah, I, I and, get and it. Look, I think people in the media have accepted that. Right. I'm just not so sure that folks who aren't in the media, Patriots fans. Foxborough. Terms yeah, New England fans. But right. I, I think there is a strong belief in the organization that he very well may leave. Yeah. The question becomes, what does Bill Belichick want? And think about it from a football standpoint. Right. Football versus business. From a football standpoint, what Bill Belichick would put as a value on Tom Brady versus what a team like the Chargers would put or the Raiders would put. Could you imagine Tom Brady as a member of the Las Vegas Raiders. Your buddy John Gruden finally realizing his dream of going rock climbing with Tony, who is so cool. You should see how he talks to waitresses. He gets free pie, right? He's so cool. He gets Tom Brady. They sell out that stadium every week. Las Vegas becomes the destination every time that team plays there. They will sell more black and silver Brady 12 jerseys, assuming the Stabler family signs off on it, even though the Raiders don't. They don't retired, retired numbers but still right. there's going to be Brady number 12 yeah and they will sell like no jersey has ever sold in right. the history of the NFL and that's a business decision not a football decision right they're greater the words for them right. than the Patriots the Raiders the Chargers can make a business decision yes. Bill Belichick's going to make a football decision and that in and of itself is going to manifest itself in dramatically different offers right to the point where Brady's going to look at it and say you don't value me no that's not the issue yeah these other teams value you as a commodity, right. not as a football player. Right. We're, we're valuing you as a football player, and we can't tie up $30 million- Thirty-five million, whatever it is, yeah. Where the Bra- uh, where teams like the Chargers and the Raiders can't.
4: Yeah, no, I, I think that is spot on. You're right. There's re- way more financial value as far as to the Chargers or the Raiders with Tom Brady as compared to the New England Patriots. Not even close. And you know, I do think that Bill would be fine with you know happy to have Tom back. But like you said, I mean, like we just talked about with Chase Young, as far as the you know not working out. It's a business, and Bill's not going to sacrifice what he thinks is the the welfare of his team for the next four to five years just to sign Brady up to some huge lucrative deal for one more year, or two more years, or whatever it may be. You know, Bill, this is where Bill's amazing. He does not let emotions come into play. He plays it by business and brains. He does not let his heart and emotions get involved. And I think he's already telling you, you know, I think they're giving us our, this, the clues, the signals, without saying it. Hey, we'll have him back, but we're not going to overpay him. We're not going to pay him 30 or $35 million a year. They don't think he's worth that at this point, and nor do I think they think that fits what they're trying to build as a team either. There's a
3: report that the Patriots will be meeting with Agent Don Yee, who represents Tom Brady here in Indianapolis. Look, Yee's going to meet with everybody. Now, the meetings with everyone except the Patriots are tampering, but it's going to happen. It happens all the time. Every team does it. But coming out of the scouting combine, Tom Brady will know what's behind door number two. Whatever that is, whether it's Chargers, Raiders, Titans, Dolphins, whoever. He'll find out after that what's really behind door number one, and then he'll make a decision. And it very well could be. And I know the organization, portions of the organization, bracing for Tom Brady choosing to leave. And if it happens, look, we'll be talking about it a lot. But, folks, if it happens, you can't be mad at the Patriots. You can't be mad at ownership. You can't be mad at the organization. They got 20 years out of the 199th overall pick in the 2001 draft and six Super Bowl wins for crying out loud. That's right. How can you be mad about it if a grown man in his 40s, who isn't going to be with you much longer anyway, chooses
4: to finish his career somewhere else? That's right. It's just part of the business, especially this day and age in the NFL. There's there's, there's nothing wrong. It's been a great run. I don't want to see Brady go anywhere else. I'll be one to tell you that right now. I want to see him in New England. I do. You know, I think they're I just want to see him, you know, be in that uniform. First off, all, he is like the number one symbol of a New England Patriot for me. Uh, it, you know, I'm tradition traditionalist that way. And, of course, I feel like I want to see them make one more run out of two because we know their team is good. they are a few players away. They need a few more weapons on offense. Certainly, we know maybe another defense alignment or two. And they're going to be right back in the AFC championship conversation.
3: All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, there's a big meeting coming up later today between the NFL and the NFL Players Association. What will come out of it? And a key decision yesterday by the union that could make it harder to get the current deal ratified by the full union rank and file. We'll have more. I just saw a coach try to go down down the
4: escalator.
2: Over 300 of the very best college football players have been invited to the NFL scouting combine. Let's see who Florio likes. This is Pro Football Talk Live in Indianapolis. Here's Mike.
3: We are here in Indianapolis. The prospects are here in Indianapolis. The coaches are here. The general managers are here. and. There will be later today a gathering of movers and shakers from the NFL's Management Council plus leadership of the NFL Players Association. At 5 p.m. Eastern, they will be meeting in connection with a deal that has been negotiated but that the NFL Players Association has declined to approve. And in a nutshell, Chris, yeah. they negotiated for 10 months. Right. They struck a deal. And then the challenge was to sell the deal to their respective clients, so negotiating yeah. teams. We got to do, it's like two lawyers. We have a deal. Now we just have to sell it to our clients. The NFL's lawyers and negotiators sold it to their clients. Sure. The NFLPA having a hard time. The executive committee, which negotiated the deal, voted the deal down six to five on Friday. Right. So now they're in a position where they are trying to figure out what can be done to try to get this deal accomplished. And the threshold question: Will the owners just stare across the table today and say to these guys, "We're not giving you anything more. We've negotiated a deal." or will they put something more on the pile to get the players to feel better about it and get the deal done? And I think they're going to have to put something on the pile to get this deal done if they want to get it done sooner rather than later.
4: I I mean, you, you have great insight with this type of stuff. What kind of things do you think the players are unhappy about right now? to leave the representatives, you know, to not be in favor of the current deal that was that was put on. There's a lot of them that just don't want to play 17 games. Yeah, that's and, the biggest and, thing, and right?
3: the problem is they let the horse get too far out of the barn right. by negotiating based on 17 games yeah. for all these months. It's kind of hard to go back and say 17 games are a non-starter. Yeah, they put the chicken before negotiate. the egg on that right. one. Been, yeah. we, we had comments about that, very strong comments about that, at the Super Bowl right? Uh, because Richard Sherman was saying it's hypocritical to play 17 games and top player health and safety. Well, Richard, why did you negotiate as part of the executive committee based on a 17-game season? You know, I think that question of how much more the players who are under contract will get for the 17th game is a real issue. Yeah. Capping it at $250,000. If you're making more than $4.25 a year, you're getting screwed you're getting in that You're getting screwed. That game. makes absolutely no, no sense. No sense whatsoever. You should be getting a no premium. Right. You shouldn't be worried about getting shorted for that right. extra check. Right. You should be getting a premium right. for that extra game check. But I, I, I tend to think that the NFL – kind of...
4: Yes, left more on the table. They they,
3: they held some back.
4: Of course they did.
3: I I feel like throughout this process, they've been sitting back and just waiting because they know how it's going to play out. You know, the NFL knows where the ball's moving. The NFLPA is focused on where the ball is. Yeah. And I think what's going to happen is the NFL representatives are going to huff and puff and harumph and say, we can't do anything more. We can't do anything more, but we'll talk about it and we'll see. And then they're going to do something more that they had already planned to do. And the players are going to feel like they got to win. Yeah. That's what I think is going to happen.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, okay, to, to, to what you're talking about, like, do you think, you know, the owners, you know, left more there to be offered, right? I mean, there, there's. Two... Yeah, I think they have something in their pocket that they plan to of put course, on the table. I mean, to me, the biggest thing was, oh, we've summoned the owners up to New York, right? To tell them we're close to a CBA. There. Well, they certainly seemed to agree on what was being sold there very quickly. That would be scary to me uh, right off the bat. And, of course, there's more to left there to be negotiated. I mean, these are the greatest negotiators. Negotiators in our planet right now. That's why they're billionaires. So they're good at this and playing this game. And, yes, to your point, that doesn't make sense. And I'm not sure what else is, you know, bothering the players. But, yeah, I don't want to see them just fork over 17 it's games. Just, it's more.
3: It's, I mean, it's got to be more. We want more. Yes. Give us more. You're not giving us enough to play 17 games. We want more. And one of the interesting developments from yesterday that has been overlooked, the idea that as of Friday – the NFL Players Association was going to send the proposal to a full vote of the rank and file. All it takes is 50% plus one of 1,900 dues-paying members, regardless of what the board of player representatives did. 32 members, if they vote it down, doesn't matter. We're still taking it to the full union for a vote. Because I think if it goes to the full union for a vote... It's it's going to pass. Of course it is. So on Monday, out of the blue, memo from the union to all players and agents saying, if more than half... Of the board of player reps, don't vote in favor of this. We're not sending it for a full vote. I don't see anything in the NFLPA constitution to support that. Right. I think that there may be some the interpreting that's happening things. just to try to – and it's a message to the league. Don't assume that your fallback option is a vote of the full rank and file right. where half of them are going to say yes. You have to get past half of us first as the gatekeepers. They got to.
4: Then They got it. The gatekeepers were elected the gatekeepers for a reason. You know, they were. I was a, a representative of my Buccaneers team once. You know, I was elected that because the guys in the locker because room... Because nobody else wanted to do well, it? Well, not everybody loves to do it, you're right, but I was also because <laughs> everybody knew I was a psycho and obsessed with the sport and really knew what was going on and the nuances of, you know, the CBA, the labor deal, whatever it may be. They knew I was paying attention. Yes, of course this deal is going to pass once you get it to the player, <laughs> to the, the full Lot of players. Hey, listen, most of the guys in the league have no idea hey, any of the nuts and bolts an of what's told going me the other on. Day,
3: they're, sitting, they're sitting around playing Xbox, exactly, and maybe partaking in some of your favorite, some of my favorite, activities. daddy
4: cigars. That's right. That's what they should be doing. So that's why you elected <laughs> Aaron Rodgers and other guys to be your representative because they're in it knee deep and they'll tell you and at least guide you in the right direction. That's who
3: the NFL is going to have to sell to tonight. The board of player representatives. Yeah. We have a great draft coming up for you next, right here on PFT Live. We're back,
2: covering the most intense four-day job interview of all time. It's Pro Football Talk Live at the 2020 NFL Scouting Combine. Let's see who Florio likes.
3: On Saturday night, the Deontay Wilder Tyson Fury rematch, which I watched and was awesome. Deontay Wilder had a costume for the ages. The problem is it was too heavy, Chris. Deontay Wilder explained on Monday that it was 40-plus pounds. He had it on for 10 or 15 minutes before even walking out, and then he put the helmet on top of it, the extra weight, the ring walk, then going up the stairs. It was a real workout for my legs. When I took it all off, I knew immediately the game had changed Till so he blamed his costume for walking into the ring as the reason that he lost to Tyson Fury, which is insp- and it was a great fight, and they're going to fight again. Wasn't it a great three. fight? It's I didn't in. see it. I was, it was at my it, parents' wasn't house, it wasn't we a close back. back. No, right. what, it, what it was, it,
4: it was... Two you know, big too, Neanderthals.
3: And, and and there was a level of intensity. Right. I watched the whole car. Right. The other fights paled in comparison. Yeah. The level of intensity, and Tyson Fury kind of popped him with a jab early, and you can tell that woke him up. That was the moment, like Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they got hit in the face. Right. That was the moment it woke him up. Then he got a busted eardrum. It's round three, I think, and yeah. from that moment on, he was done. It was just a question of when it was going to end. But he's blaming it on his 40-pound costume that he wore from the dressing room out into the ring. So, today's draft.
4: I mean, how stupid is that?
3: That's what inspired Do you not try that's, this on before
4: we on. walk out? I mean, was it the first time he tried it on? You know, listen, I don't care. When, when you lose like that and you're more worried about your costume before the fight, you, you deserve to get well, punched in the mouth and go down.
3: This is a sport that once prohibited any type of male-female you know, activity, husband-wife activity, oh, Rocky? Right. he makes the legs weak. Yeah, Women make legs. the legs weak. They make right? them weak. So so you're gonna you're gonna wear 40 pounds on your body and walk all the way into the ring. Yeah. And uh yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. All right. No. So anyway, that inspires today's draft. Most memorable NFL excuses. We're not judging, we're just saying they're memorable. All right. Challenge got, flag. We we're, we're judging. I've got the question for Chris Sims. Here it is. This is for football historian Chris Sims. Self proclaimed. I'm on fire. His story. So you can in 2015 at the scouting combine, a player who would be picked in the first round set the world record for the broad. Wait, say jump. Say it again. Start again. One in more time. 20...
4: Okay. Well, you're not listening. Yeah, I was not
3: in 2015 at the scouting combine, a player who would go on to be picked in the first round, set the world record for the broad jump with a leap of 12 feet, three inches. Who was that first round draft pick? This is a really tough question.
4: Wow. Wait, He was a first round draft pick
3: and he set the world record for the broad jump.
4: What? I don't remember even. He's not hear- a track and field. Historian I know, but stats. I don't remember hearing this story, which I didn't is really bothering. Me. Okay, I don't know. Byron Jones, 27th overall to the Cavs. Mm, he had a phenomenal broad jump. Yes. And
3: about to walk out the door as a free agent. He's going to broad jump right out of Dallas he because is. they're not going to have the money. No or the way. Have space to keep him around. No way. All right, first pick goes to me. Most memorable excuse, and there are plenty of them. I think that what you, you know, I got to go with this one. I got to go with Sue. When he stepped on your buddy Aaron Rodgers, clearly when Aaron Rodgers had a calf injury, remember? Right. He had a calf injury that year. He was playing with it. It was a late regular season game, week 17, and Rodgers was down, and Sue walked back, and he put his cleat right onto the calf and pressed down, and you could see the bot like he pressed down into it. He got suspended. Now, they overturned the suspension, but as part of his case to overturn the suspension, he claimed... His feet Feet were were numb. numb. I remember that. My feet were numb. Right. It was so cold that day at Lambeau Field. That not only the tundra, but my feet were frozen. Sure, I didn't realize where I was stepping. Right to me, that's the most memorable and lame NFL excuse of all time. That
4: is pretty lame. That is some BS, no doubt about it. I mean, first off, I mean, I think you know, again, you'd feel the unevenness of the ground as compared to somebody's leg in and the ground. And you don't, being ste- there. if your
3: feet are numb, you don't even notice st- He pushes the heel but, down in. You can see it's great. You, the heel gets shoved right down into the blower leg.
4: Yeah, uh, that was that was a lame excuse, dirty play. You know, we haven't seen a lot of that from Ndamukongsu in a long, long time. He certainly has learned or grown up from all that stuff. All right. Um, I'm going to every PED excuse in the history of the NFL. That's my lame excuse. They spiked my supplement. But I had no idea. They're all lame. Oh, I, And I'm going to sue. I went to GNC and I, I got something and it was tainted. I didn't know it was tainted. And it, it's, it's always as something. And it drives me crazy. And it's just a horrible example. You're cheating. You're breaking the law in most cases. You're setting a horrible example for young kids. But the PED excuses, I mean, we've heard them all. And I'm not going to sit here and go through them all. But they've all bothered no, they're me. They're all. They're all.
3: there's And, you know, under the and, and the NFL should be alarmed because its PED testing policy has never actually caught a cheater no, They've only you're right. We've never caught guys who were innocent who ended up somehow somebody sprinkled PEDs oh, on top of my salad at Applebee's. Bur- I know, mean, what in the world? Yeah,
4: I know. There's been a lot.
3: Nobody's and ever gone that far. Yeah, but that, no, that's I the know. kind of quality of excuse we get. Yeah, that,
4: where no one's ever been. No one's ever guilty. I to me that is where I want to see the NFL change. I, if I was an NFL PA, I would want. I would want this change too. If I was a representative. If you fail a PED test, it gets made public. Full disclosure. We want it, I want full disclosure. I want to know what the guys are cheating me to, with. What are they doing? If I'm playing in football, what, what are they doing to cheat? I want to know. I want to know these type of things. I want to be on the lookout for it. If it's in my locker room, any of it, I don't want any of it. So that that
3: the, the closest we ever came to getting the truth was when Julian Edelman said, "I, I don't, I don't know. know." I don't he know. Right? He didn't
4: make an excuse at no. least. No, no. that's I give I, him I credit know. for him well, that. We, for the that. rest
3: of us, know right. Julian. You right. may not know, but the rest of us know. Yes. All right. Next one for me. Uh, and this is memorable. This isn't judgmental. And they eventually figured it out. But it helped explain the struggles of Vinny Testaverde early oh, in his gosh, career with Stan yeah. Bay Buccaneers. Right. He was colorblind. Right. Right? And shame on the Buccaneers for not figuring out right. that the quarterback was colorblind. I remember when the Buccaneers started wearing white jerseys at home. It's like, oh, are they doing it to keep the opponent hot in their dark jerseys? No. They, because he couldn't tell the difference between white and orange. Right. So we had to get, like— a clearer contrast in jerseys, and it took them like two years to figure out that Vinny Testaverde was colorblind. So that is one excuse that I say I'm not judging, but it is memorable.
4: Yeah, it is. It's extremely memorable. I mean, this was the guy that won the Heisman was the first pick of the draft. We're all going, what the hell is wrong with this guy? Why is he throwing interceptions so much? And I mean, it's not really an excuse. But, it is an excuse, it's an explanation. It's an explanation, right. right. Excuse, the
3: word excuse in and of itself implies that we think it's lame.
4: Yes, it does, yes. But uh that that was amazing and actually even an more excuse, amazing that excuses. he excuses
3: his interceptions? And in, unacceptable behavior. It, it's, it excuses it.
4: So I'm no, colorblind. Hard. That excuses my interceptions and at least
3: allows me to throw at, more. At least he had an excuse. At least he's a Buccaneers quarterback who had an excuse for not being very good. I knew good.
4: you were going. Did you do that yourself, or did Stats feed you that bullcrap No, I, I took that, That's my own. Okay. That's my own. You're, what you're do true. you got next? Yeah, I have no excuse of colorblind for all my interceptions. Um, my next one, I'm going to go with my old teammate, Buddy. You might remember this story. Oh,
3: I think I know where it's going.
4: 2000, was it 2008? The old McDonald's bag slip. Uh, Yeah, you, Brandon Marshall, you, my ex-teammate Brandon Marshall, who, you know, cut his arm and had to get stitches in his forearm or something like that. Uh, and his excuse was that he was playing around with, who was it, his brother or his cousin? I'm kind of just going off the top of my head here off of memory. And he said I think he it was slipped. A cousin. Cousin, right? And they were horsing around in the family room, and he slipped on a McDonald's bag, and his arm went through the TV. Like, what? What? Brendan Marshall, that is some BS. Sorry, Brendan Marshall. I've heard better excuses from my nine-year-old. I hope he calls me for that too.
3: Yeah, that's good. And <laughs> and and I remember at the time when it all went down because he was seriously injured. He was. He had a very very serious arm laceration, Definitely. busting his arm through the TV, but yeah. it was not a McDonald's bag. All right, I can go in a lot of different. I think it was a right here. jab. I I uh hmm, I'm gonna go. Remember when Plexigo Burris shot himself Uh, in the leg? Remember that? Yeah. He shot himself with the gun. There was an urban legend for a while that the gun was actually in his sweatpants. It was jeans. It wasn't sweatpants. But the gun went off, shot himself through the leg. I remember Mike Bloomberg, mayor of New York at the time, said, yeah, if you carry a gun in Manhattan and it's unlicensed, you're going to end up in the slammer. First time I'd heard slammer in like 40 years. Hey, we're going to put you in the slammer. Put you in the slammer. He claimed initially when he went to the hospital that he'd been shot at an Applebee's. That was Plexico Burris's initial excuse for shooting himself in the leg. Shot at an Applebee's. Second Applebee's reference. Yes, uh, they're a sponsor of Football Night in America. I'm not sure that they appreciate that exact connection. Seriously. but that's what he said. That's it. he did. Shot that. at an Applebee's? Well, like,
4: no, he well, shot himself in the leg. Well, yeah, I guess you know you don't want to be known to be shooting yourself. Uh, it's just funny he picked Applebee's to be the place where he got shot up at. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that one altogether. All right, I'm a little torn here, you know, I'm thinking about I'm a little bit like thinking about what we saw this year with Jimmy G and like sometimes it's uh, okay to throw interceptions, but I'm not going to go there. Oh, I'm not. All right. I'm going to go to Michael Vick and his in his uh his jewelry compartment container in his water bottle that seemed to smell like daddy cigars a little bit. Right. He said you didn't have one of those bottles. I never did. No, I really didn't. I promise you I did not. But either way, Michael Vick gets caught going through airport security. They notice there's a secret compartment in his water bottle. They think it smells very marijuana-ish, for lack of a better phrase there. And he tries to say, what, that it was for his jewelry. Yeah, Yeah. which, you know, again, I know Michael Vick. That's my man, and I've done a lot of stupid things in my lifetime. That was not one of your best ones there, Michael Vick. And that was back at the time. You're going to put, like, your $100,000 jewelry in your fake? fake That was back at the time when you could actually—
3: Take a water bottle through security. Yeah. Like now you got to dump it out and throw it away, which so, is so annoying. Yeah. Like, what
4: a scam! Is that on a scam or what? What do you mean? What to force you to buy water? Of course it no, is. No, that's
3: not. It's not a profit what? center. It's a security measure. What? There could be explosives that are liquids. You're oh. not aware of that technology? I
4: mean, no, and I haven't seen it ever in my life. Because, I've seen it in 007. Because, all
3: right, because they force you to dump it out. It's yeah, a security measure. I'm so for your sick safety. of all of
4: it. All right.
3: Go ahead. Uh, I'll pay for we your. We got water. an X-ray
4: machine, okay? Or just make me drink it if I live. I get to go through with it. If I die, then it was something bad. You're allowed to, bad. to drink
3: it. You're allowed to drink it. That's one of the options. Drink it or throw
4: it out. Okay. Or just don't take it. But I want to bring it through. Ja, you know? no. Sometimes you, I have a protein shake, it, too. Something like website. that where I want to bring yeah. it through.
3: Drink your protein shake All before right. leave home. Oh. The other the other Michael Vick excuse, remember when they first found the dogfighting compound at his rural property in Virginia, he said, I never go there. Right. Which is so easy. Even... 12 years ago, 13 years ago, to disprove, because it's not all that hard to figure out where people are using their credit cards and where their their uh, active activity yeah. is happening. He was going there a lot, and he knew what was going We've on. We've had a few bad ones over right. the years. The, the, that is uh, today's draft. The most memorable excuse is inspired by Deontay Wilder's excuse for losing to Tyson Fury. We're going to take a quick break. There's the quick summary, though, if you're watching on TV. The Andomican Sue numb foot, Vinnie Testaverde being colorblind, Punksco Burris shooting himself and claiming he was shot at an Applebee's, my picks, Sims' picks, every PD, PED excuse ever devised, which is fair to put under the same umbrella. Brandon Marshall slipping on the McDonald's bag and the Vic water bottle secret compartment where he had some of Chris Sims' stash back in the day. We're going to take <laughs> a break and continue this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after
2: this they all want to get drafted but not all of them will we're back live at the NFL scouting combine in Indianapolis it's pro football talk live with Mike Florio
3: we're here at the scouting combine and it is already much busier than I can remember it being on the first day the tight ends have been speaking the quarterbacks are coming up soon Chris and on NBCSN we'll continue our coverage of the scouting combine and we'll have some of Joe Burrow live i um, It's going to be interesting to see what the LSU quarterback has to say about Cincinnati. And I know Bengals fans get bent out of shape when the topic comes up. And I'm kind of encouraged that Bengals fans actually care. I wasn't sure that they did. But this talk about the possibility of Joe Burrow wanting to engineer his way around the Bengals and maybe go to the Dolphins or someone else. Look, when you look at the things that he has said... When you look at the things that others have said, like Carson Palmer, whose brother is training Joe Burrow, right, right. there has yet to be that clear, unconditional, unequivocal, that I want to be the pick of the Bengals. The last time he addressed it with Dan Patrick, he said, yeah, you want to be number one, but you want to go to a team that's committed to winning. Yeah. That came two days after a Carson Palmer said the Bengals aren't committed to winning, right. and Carson Palmer would know. I want to see how direct of a question he's asked today. What are you going to do if the Bengals take you number one? Are you going to sign a contract and play for the Bengals? That simple. Shereen Williams is set up over there, and hopefully she'll ask that question if no yeah. one else does. If the Bengals take you number one, will you sign a contract and go? Because it's not like you have anything to negotiate. Yeah, right. It's all slotted it's there. They're going to sign you to a deal. You're going to make $36 million fully guaranteed over four years. Will you play for the Bengals if the Bengals pick you, yes or no? And it's a fair question at this point because he's never asked it. And every once in a while we hear, like, one of his parents say, we don't know where all this is coming from. Fine, put it to bed. Say you'll go to Cincinnati if you get there. Yeah,
4: just say it. Who cares? I mean, even if you don't believe it, if I'm Joe Burrow right now, his agent or anybody, like, advising him, I'm saying just say it. End these questions. End this circus around the conversation. Just let it go right now. You know, uh, it it is a little peculiar that he hasn't just kind of, you know, eased that conversation to a degree with all of us and just back people off by just going, yes, I will play for the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, so right now, yes, there is some wiggle room. And the other thing I'll just say, even right now at the podium, you know, how much does Joe Burrow really know about the Bengals yet? That's the other thing we all got to take into account. Now, hopefully, that changes this week a little but bit. But it
3: doesn't matter. But here's the thing. But I know. Thing. You're right. It's a draft. It is. You love the draft. See, I think I it do. should be wide open. And yeah. You should be able to do your research. And you should be able to pick who you want to work for and where you want to live and whether you want to be near your family or as part Okay. Far away well, I mean, you're going
4: to have a really imbalance you. of your team. How are you going to do that? It's you're not, still going to have no. people who are going to I wanted to go to New York. Salary and they're going to be like, yeah, but half the league wanted to go to New York. There's only 11 well, guys on the field at one time. If somebody wants to sit
3: on, the bench then that's their prerogative okay well yes all right it'll all work out it'll all work out look they do this t- supposedly to balance out the league yes right? which why they are the do crap teams still the crap teams well, why is it bad teams every year in the top five because it doesn't work it's not about getting dibs on the best college players it's about developing whoever you do get and having a good organization a good coaching staff and you will attract the best talent but if i'm if i'm a good quarterback if i'm joe burrow you think i'm going to the chiefs hell no Because they got Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, okay. But, but, I mean, so the teams that have good starting quarterbacks in place, that's not where you're going to want to go because you're going to sit the bench. So I I think that – the Get guy. it up! It's not happening. Well, you're, I know it's not happening, and, but that doesn't. But I'm hey okay, man, it's a
4: free country, and I I'm don't like continue it. To say I to anyway. The draft is un-American. Yes, all right.
3: Un-American. You're un-American. I you look kind of look like
4: Avondrago. Drago. So you're I don't know what American is anymore, anyway. Well, so, okay, that's, uh, that's, that's another conversation. We have to either hours way to
3: discuss that but, on NBCSN. But either way, let's just take MSNBCSN. into account MSNBCSN. <laughs> let's not be MSNBCSN. No, we're not. Today. But
4: either way, okay, Joe Burrow doesn't knows nothing other than what what Carson Palmer has told him to this point. And any smart man or professional would not just go by what another man says. You have to judge the situation for yourself as a man, as a profession, whatever it is. You can't because there's other extenuating circumstances with Carson Palmer that Joe Burrow just might not know about, not have feel about. Carson Palmer might not tell him the whole truth of it. Who knows what it is? But this is his first chance this weekend to finally sit down with Zach Taylor, the coaching staff. Okay, so if he he
3: doesn't like what he sees, do you support him saying, I don't want to play for the Bengals? I do just, hey, it's a no, no, draft. No. It's a draft.
4: You've been drafted. I'm all, I'm all in support of it. I'm not going to be mad at anybody that does that. I'm not. You know, I wasn't mad at Eli Manning for doing it. I wasn't, you know, I was young, but I look back at John Elway and all that stuff. Like, I, I understand, you know, and also, if a player doesn't want to go play for you, why the hell do you want him anyways, team? So, uh, you know. That, 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 and let
3: me tell you. That's, that's another thing. part of it.
4: Quarterback position. Now, if it's a running back, an offensive
3: lineman, defensive lineman, you can say, hey, them's the breaks. Quarterback, the guy who's going to lead the team, the guy that you want to have show up early, right. stay late, watch film, inspire teammates, hold people accountable. If he's not all in, you don't want him. And that's and see, I think that's what Joe Burrow is based trying on to the sell. Evidence that's right. out there. Right. He's trying to engineer the Bengals coming to the conclusion on their own that it's not. We in don't their really best think he to wants to be him. here. Right. Right. That that or. We don't think he's best for us because right. we're not really sure he wants to right. be here. Right. right? And, and we'll, we'll get evidence of it. You know, when it's time to do a private workout, if he does one for the Dolphins but doesn't do one for the Bengals, that kind of tells you, you know. Yes. I, and not, not that this is the best possible example because RG3 ended up being a bust, but RG3 wanted nothing to do with the Colts. He wanted to go to Washington. Yeah. And the Colts were going to take Andrew Luck anyway. Right. Colts wanted a private workout. Nope, not doing it. He didn't want to go there. Yeah. Well, you know, he saw a better future for himself in Washington. He saw greater marketing potential in Washington. That's where he wanted to be. And again, they were going to take Andrew Luck anyway, but, but there are ways to send a message that you're not really interested in a team. And, and I think the stuff we've heard from Burroughs so far is intended to do that a it little bit. that way. And Bengals fans lose their – well, you you haven't mentioned this, you haven't mentioned that. No, what I've mentioned is what I see and what I look at. And when you see Joe Burrow go from saying I'll play for whoever pays me to saying you want to be the number one overall pick, but you want to play for a team committed to winning, just three days after Carson Palmer said the Bengals aren't committed to winning, that tells me yeah. that at least there's a seed of doubt that may be growing in his brain.
4: Yeah, right. He's, he's leaving some uh, wiggle room in his brain there or even for himself to, yes, get out of the situation if he deems necessary, and I get that. Now, I'll also argue to Joe Burrow, there's a lot of things that are good about Cincinnati. I mean, again, you know, when you've been that bad for that long and a team that's never won a championship and all of those type of things, you can become the guy that comes in and you become the most popular figure in the history of that city. And you can rebrand a team almost right away. I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes rebrand Kansas City. Now, I'm not trying to say Kansas City is the Cincinnati Bengals. I get that. But I don't think you can be scared of that challenge. And if you have faith in the coaches and the GM and the people that are in places that way, then maybe there's some hope to turn around an organization like the Bengals.
3: That's it for the radio show. Joe Burrow at the podium. If you're watching on NBCSM, we'll be right back.
0: Want to make mom's day?